Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. We're continuing this study on the book of Job. How you doing? You okay? <laughs> Nobody's given up hope yet. We're learning so much, and as Pastor Nathan was sharing, we're going to talk again about holding on to hope. I want to share with you an illustration. Several years ago, a teacher assigned to visit children in a large city hospital received a routine call requesting that she visit a particular child. She took the boy's name and room number and was told by the teacher on the other end of the line, we're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now. I'd be grateful if you could help him with his homework so he doesn't fall behind the others. It wasn't until the visiting teacher got outside the boy's room that she realized it was located in the hospital's burn unit. And no one had prepared her to find a young boy horribly burned and in great pain. She felt she couldn't just turn and walk out, so she awkwardly stammered, "Um, I'm the hospital teacher and your teacher sent me to help you with nouns and adverbs. The next morning, a nurse on the burn unit asked her, what did you do to that boy? Before she could finish a profusion of apologies, the nurse interrupted her. You don't understand. We've been very worried about him, but ever since you were here yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though he decided to live. And the boy later explained that he had had completely given up all hope until he saw that teacher. It all changed when he came to a simple realization. With joyful tears, he expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? That's the power of hope. Job had lost everything, and he was about to lose his hope. And he asked, where is my hope? You know, it's so important for us not to lose hope, no matter what circumstance we're in. And we're going to review how important it is. Number one, first of all, hope distinguishes us from those who don't know God. For the believer, this should set us apart from the world. You know, when people see you going through difficult times and yet you don't give up hope, that's going to have a testimony, isn't it? It's going to have an impact on somebody to see you going through the same things they're going through and yet you're... You have a different attitude. You have a different outlook. Just holding on to hope. Just that that act of being hopeful and cheerful will be a witness to those who have lost hope. And this world is full of people that have lost their hope. They have totally given up on on a purpose in life. But there's a condition if we're going to hold on to our hope, and that is, number two, hope requires us to wait patiently. So while we're waiting for something... That's where hope comes into play. And it's hard enough to wait, but to wait patiently is even harder. But waiting patiently is a part of, whole, of hanging on to hope. You may be hanging on for a while, but isn't God good that he gave us something to hang on to for a while? And that's hope. It's a gift from God. And the Bible expresses it so often what hope is. And there's a difference between faith and hope, as we learn. Number three, hope is future, faith is now. Our faith is based on what we hope for. It's a foundation, that hope is a foundation for faith. And if we lose hope, we lose our faith. We lose the foundation. 
And so number four, against all hope, true hope still believes. Abraham realized his situation was hopeless. Hundred stinking years old. And yet, there was no hope of him having a child. There was, there was no medical ability back in those days, no in vitro. There was nothing he could do. And it says, against all hope, in hope he believed. And I'm telling you what, when, the, when your situation is hopeless, you can still have hope. Everybody else may see it from the outside that this is a hopeless situation. But you know that with God, it's never truly hopeless. And so this is so important that, that we still believe, even when it seems impossible. In fact, that's the, that's the time for faith to come in. When it's, it, it's only a miracle of God that will bring you through this. I've shared with you before, I've kept a diary of the last few years of all the miracles God has done. And if I start getting doubtful or discouraged, I go back to that list and think, wow, there were some hopeless times there. But I'm telling you, it's in the hopeless times where the miracles come. You don't need a miracle if you can do it yourself. But if you cannot do it yourself and it's a hopeless situation, all you can do is believe for a miracle. And that's the best thing you can do is to hold on to your hope. Having a son was absolutely hopeless for, for Abraham, but he kept hoping anyway. And so we ended with this last week, five, number five, hope is the result of perseverance in the midst of suffering. So we learned that suffering produces character and character produces hope. And so hope will come as we, have, we continue to hold on instead of giving up. And there, I believe there are a lot of things in our life that we just let go of too early. If we'd have just held on, we'd keep hanging on to the hope you have in God, that it would have come through. And it's not that, you know, we've missed out on everything, but I think we've missed out on some things because we just did, we let go of hope. Webster's defines hope as a feeling that what is wanted will happen. A desire accompanied by expectation, trust, or reliance. So that's how Webster, God bless him, I think he was a Christian. That's, that's how he defines hope. But let's go to the Hebrew. The word hope is tikvah in Hebrew, and it literally means a cord, a rope, or a line. Figuratively, it means hope, expectation, and anticipation. Now, this is really fascinating one definition of the word tikvah is a rope, a cord. But another definition is the whole idea of anticipation, expectation, and hope. Look at Psalm 62, verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope, tikvah, comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. That's the word tikvah right there. It's the same word that Job is using for hope. Now, the only place in the whole Old Testament where it is defined as cord, it, where the word tikvah is translated not as hope, but as a, an actual literal cord, is found in Joshua 2.17. Now, the context is Israel had sent out spies that were sent to spy out the city of Jericho. And while they were there, they were discovered. 
And Rahab the harlot hid them and helped them escape from the city. Now, how would you like to be known as Rahab the harlot your whole life and all through biblical history? But you know what's amazing is she's listed in the genealogy of Christ. Because you know what? It's not what we were, but who Jesus has made us become. And so here's this woman with that, that moniker. And you know what? I don't think she would bear it in shame now being the, the, the ancestor of Christ. But Rahab, and this is amazing, this, that whole story is just fascinating. She said, we've heard about you. We've heard about the kings that you've destroyed and the kingdoms you've destroyed. And, and she said, and our hearts are melting with fear. What a, what a description. Our hearts are melting with fear because of, because of you. Here is a woman that is trying to have hope because she knows they're going to destroy this city. They're going to destroy me and my family. And so she's in a desperate place. She needs hope. And God sends these spies and she acts because there's a time when you have hope that you need to act upon it. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody or be crude, but how many know that Abraham and Sarah had to have relations? They had to act on their hope. And so sometimes we have to act on our hope before it'll come to reality. And so Rahab the harlot is, realizes this is a chance from God. I've been hoping because all this time the whole city is melting with fear. And so she asked the spies, when Israel destroys Jericho, if they would spare her family for her kindness to him. And this is what they said. Look at Joshua 2.17. This is so awesome. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord, tikvah, the same word for hope. And, and notice it's a scarlet cord. This is, I, I love how the Bible pulls these things together. And, and you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house. How many know God wants to bring your mothers and brothers and fathers into your house? Into the house of God. And if you have a family member that's not serving the Lord, claim the scriptures for your own. God wants to save you and your family. And if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we are, will be released from the oath you made us swear. And she hid them and helped them escape through this window on the cord. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you said. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, in, in Bible times, the walls of the city were many times houses in themselves. People would build their homes right into the wall, which was okay because it, it, it expanded the wall to a greater depth. So it'd be harder to break down those walls. But a lot of homes were built into the wall and hers was no exception and she tied off this cord and left this hanging out for, it could have been days or weeks. And people are wondering, what is that stupid red rope hanging from that window on the wall for? Well, we know why. She, start, she tied this scarlet cord in the window. For Rahab, this scarlet cord was her hope. It was her rope of salvation. Yes,
Amen. That's right. And that, that is reality. I've, I've told you the story before when I used to go spelunking. Anybody know what spelunking is? All right, what is it? Cave exploration. In my case, I grew up in mining towns. They were mines. Notor- notoriously unsta- unsafe. And so my buddy and I loved going through these old mines. And we found one out in the desert. I mean, way out in the desert. And so we, we, it had a cross beam over the hole. It was a vertical mine straight down. And we couldn't see the bottom of it. And so we tied off this rope. And he goes, so how are we going to get down there? I said, well, I'm just going to wrap the rope around my hand and drop off and just... Hand by hand, let myself down. So I wasn't even thinking, and it was a nylon rope. And so sure enough, I wrapped it around my hand, dropped off. Well, the weight of my body caused that rope to tighten so severely, it was cutting off. And I'm hanging with my whole body like this in the middle of a mine shaft that we can't see the bottom. And my hand is just burning because the rope is burning my hand because it's sliding through. And so I know my idea was stupid for one thing, but I, I had no clue what to do and I just couldn't get down and so I, I held my breath and I looked down there and it looked like there might have been a cross beam I didn't know if it was a timber or a two by four or a two by twelve finally I couldn't take it and I just let go and I landed and it was a timber <laughs> and I caught, caught my balance and I, it was interesting because when I'm hanging there my friend's trying to talk to me and I can tell this is bad because he sounds nervous okay uh, just uh, you know he's not helping me whatsoever and so when I let go, he was like, oh, no. And then I landed and then was able to not die in the bottom of the, of the mine. And so what he did, he pulled up the rope and tied knots into it and made it into a rope ladder. And it got me out of there. Or I'd still be there. <laughs> and probably should be. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not climb in abandoned mines. We, we were fortunate to live. So... Rahab knew what this rope meant. Nobody else did. Her family did, but the people didn't. And so when Israel attacked Jericho, they saw the scarlet cord in her window and spared her family. This is a type of Christ and the hope of salvation and the deliverance we have in him. How many know God has provided a rope for us to cope? A scarlet cord from the Lord. Oh, I'm just like, you know, rhyming like crazy. I turned this into rap. <laughs> that, wasn't even, that wasn't even on purpose, you know. It's a, it's a gift. But anyway, the rapping wasn't. That was really bad. But. So this scarlet rope is a type of Christ. And because she left it out her window, not only she was saved, but her family. And so number six, our hope is Jesus. Our scarlet cord of salvation. And I'm telling you, hang on to Jesus. Whatever you've got, hang on to him. His words, what he's done, his miracles. He is our hope. And we will face battles like Jericho. But when that, when Christ fights for us, who can be against us? And so never forget That hope is your rope of salvation. Jesus has provided the scarlet cord, but you got to hang on to it. You know, so much of the promises of God are conditional upon our response, whether it be obedience or doing it God's will or God's way. And so God provides a means for us, but we got to hold on to the rope. We got to take the rope 
and hold on to it ourselves. You know, a lot of people say, why would a loving God send anyone to hell? God is not sending anyone to hell. It's their own choice. And hell was made for Satan and his angels, and it's had to be expanded. And so when somebody says that, I use this analogy, if, if there is a bridge out, and you're aware of it, and you warn someone there's a bridge out, and they decide to drive off the bridge anyway, how many know it's their responsibility? Jesus provide, God provided a way through his son, Jesus Christ. And so how, how is it then? Okay, we know whatever we do, don't let go of hope. Don't let go of that scarlet cord. So how do we lose our grip on hope? Sometimes it happens, isn't it true? Sometimes we feel the, the hopelessness, that, the weight of the hopelessness. How does that happen? How do we lose our grip on hope? Yes. Good. Well, that is a gift that we can give to others is hope, isn't it? Especially when they're, when, even as believers, when they lose their grip, we can be someone who gives them hope. Yes? Sometimes it can be a matter of people looking at their problem, looking at the situation through the lens of this world and saying, Well, and, and like you said, sometimes we're holding on to the wrong thing. And Peter was good until he looked at the waves. And then he began to sink. And isn't it amazing that Jesus stretched out his hand to rescue him? But if we look to other things in this world to give us hope. And, you know, I was just amazed, and you know, hearing about these people that have everything. Wealth, fame, you know, these... these um, influencers on, on social media, and yet 
they're, they're taking their life or, or overdosing and all of that stuff the world tells us will give us hope does not. And, and, and here's what happens. When you expect something like that to give you hope and it doesn't give you the hope you expect, it, it leaves you with despair, dangerous despair. And that's why Jesus will never leave you in despair. His hope will, will, always, will always minister to us. Yes? Yes, and, and that's, that's a lesson we have to relearn because we've, we're so conditioned to find our hope in other things, even if it's a false hope. Uh, and it's disciplining our hearts and our lives to, to stop grasping for those things that will not give us hope, will not sustain us. Excellent. Yes? Losing our patience. Losing our patience, we can lose our grip. Yeah, you're right. I've been hanging on too long. <laughs> That's a great point. We live in the fast food mentality, and we treat God that way. You know, if that little pimply-faced cashier doesn't get my Big Mac in, you know, 30 seconds, I'm mad. You know, uh, and, and the reality, and, and so we're conditioned to the microwave society. Everything's fast, everything's instant, but God takes his time, and God uses that time. It's never wasted, but many times it's in the waiting where we get to know God where we would no other way. If he paid off every time we treated him like a cat or like a, a slot machine, then we would not have a true relationship with God. And that's how other people treat their false gods. You know, they would, they would bow down to him so they could get something from that false god. But only God gives the true hope. It's a good point. Yes? Amen. Hope is what we hold on to. False hope is what holds on to us. And so like you said, some of those things are bondage. They're chains. They seem like hope, but 
you know, hope is voluntary. We, we hold on to it in our own, own choice. But when we give in to hopelessness or false hope, then it has us and it captivates us. Yes. Sometimes the rope's longer than we anticipated, right? We'll never get to it. And the, the problem is on the way. Yes, because we, we, we automatically set time frames for God, even though we try not to. Okay, God, I'm going to hang on for this long. And he goes, oh, oh no, <laughs> you're going to be hanging on longer than that. And, and that's where we, we get discouraged by the delay. Yes. Mm. Yes. Amen. And and sometimes, like you said, it it just requires brokenness. We go through this season of brokenness, so that God can lift us up. But it's always about humbling ourselves before the Lord, and He will lift us up in due time. Yes. And then it goes back into what George said about patience, because we don't notice that God is doing stuff, yeah. and we kind of just give up when nothing's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. In fact, have you ever like uh, seen somebody, a, a child, five years later, and how much they've grown up in the five years? Their parents don't recognize it because they see them every day, but when you when you haven't seen them for five years, you recognize the difference. And so we don't see, like you said, God is daily doing something. He's working all things together for good. He's working. He's always working. He never sleeps or slumbers. But we just can't see it because it's so gradual. Yes. Yes, and I think you've hit on that. Obedience is the key because what Satan will try to do is tempt you with something else that is not hope. You know, and, and obedience is the test. How long will you hold on to this hope through obedience? And, and Joseph is a perfect example. And can you imagine when he's already been through that and he's got the baker and the, the wine taster and, and he says, don't forget me. And it says, and he forgot for another two years. And so it was 20 years between his dream and the fulfillment. And he had that last hope, don't forget me. And the guy forgets him. But how many know God didn't forget him? It was part of the plan. And, you know, God, uh, people will forget us, but God won't. But there may be another two years when we thought, okay, now's the time. It's, the fruition's here. And it's like, nope, two more years. Can you imagine after a, a day a week, a month, what happened? Was it the baker that lost his head or the, the baker? So the other guy, 
And, and Joseph's like, it's been, it's been, you know, a year now and still nothing. Talk about having the temptation to hold on, you know, the difficulty of holding on to hope. What are some other things that cause us to lose hope? Yes, Michael. Mm. When your eye drifts away and it's been focused on Christ, Good. that's when hope becomes dangerous or losing hope becomes dangerous. Yes, that's excellent. The way we can hold on to hope is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's the same thing with Peter. When he took his eyes off Jesus and looked on the waves, that's when he began to sink and when he began to lose hope. That's excellent, Michael. We, we can hold on to hope as long as we're looking to Jesus. Yes. Yes. When we're surrounded with people that are telling us our situation is hopeless because maybe their history, what they've been through, or even them just looking at us, we sometimes find ourselves listening to them. Boy, that's good. Yeah. Our Heavenly Father who's telling us, hold on, you know? We are to be people that speak hope into people's lives. May, we, may God forbid we ever speak hopelessness into someone's life. And you're right. Sometimes we do it because it didn't work out for us like we expected. And so we project that on someone else. It's not going to work out for you. But I want us to, to understand this as Christians. We should never speak hopelessness into someone's life. Yeah, it's like a curse. And we should all, I mean, you never go wrong by giving someone hope. Never. As long as the hope is in Christ, of course. But let us be those that speak hope into people's lives and not despair and not discouraging them just because it didn't work out for us like we, ho- like we hoped. And who knows, maybe it didn't work out for us like we hoped because God wanted us to be able to have a testimony and speak into someone else's life. Yes. Yes. Yep. You're exactly right. Real trauma or disappointment can can really affect our hope. And you know, especially if we've gone through it more than once or whatever the case may be, trials and tribulations, but unexpected tragedies we, we lose hope. This is not supposed to happen to us as Christians. But this is why Job is here for us to see that, you know, no matter what happens in our experience, don't give up hope. And it's a battle. But that's why we need to, we need to memorize the word. We need to speak the word. We need to have prayer and worship. We need fellowship of people that will encourage and not discourage us, build us up, not tear us down. I'm telling you what, when you need hope, get around people that are hopeful. But don't get around people that are negative and, and you know, critical. And, and we, we have a choice. We can hold on to hope or we can let go and, and we'll be bound by something else. Any, anyone else? Yes. We can lose hope because of failure? Yes. 
slip up and you think, well, that's it. Might as well not hope anymore. You know, that's an excellent point. And you know what's great? God never gives up hope in us, but we do. We give up hope in ourselves, but God never does. He will always have hope in us. And, and we have to, you know, so many times we're already forgiven. We're just struggling forgiving ourselves because we're all going to fall. We're all going to stumble. And, and, and Satan would love us to be crushed and not get back up and have hope again. And so, you know, we don't make light of our sin or, what we've, or mistakes we've made, but we don't wear them forever. We approach the throne of grace with confidence. I may be preaching on that in a couple weeks. Yes? Yes. And they're, and they're laying on just whatever, you know, begging and begging. Yep. And, and they're really looking for an answer. And the answer, the only answer is God. Yeah. But you've got to get through to them to let them know that that's the answer. And how do you do that? Knock them in the head. I don't know. <laughs> Right. Yeah, bring him in. Yeah. You you've brought up a great point. What happens when someone becomes absolutely hopeless? Yes, yeah, or that, or like you said, they they give up on everything. And, and this is why it's so dangerous to, to get to that place of absolute hopelessness. Because then, there, then you almost, you get used to it. Yeah. You settle, settle into it, yeah. And a lot of those people are just used to it. We see it and just, you know, see how, so much despair. But at one point, they were a functioning citizen, somebody's child, you know, at, at one point. And, and, so, and yet it's really hard to see them that way in their despair. Yes. It reminds me of the man at Bethsaida. And he's sitting by the pool 38 years. Yeah. Being crippled and just accepting his fate. Like, what can he do? You know? Yeah. Until Jesus came along and he picked up his mat and he walked. And, and God changes everything. And, it, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit can just get into those people. They will pick up their mat. They will walk and they will change their lives because Christ will work in them. And it's just a matter of, like, are we going to step across the street and talk to those people and give them the hope, you know, that's yeah. I feel like we need to, you know, walk across the street we're worried about, you know, across the world or this and that, things that we can't change there's people there that we can speak life and hope into and I, I think we should always make it our mission, no matter who we're dealing with, whether it's a homeless person or the checker at, at Vons let's be people that speak hope I, I, man, it'll make someone's day to give them hope. Yes. I like what you said about the, the, the homeless person. It does, it, it hurts. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how you're supposed to be because that's what Jesus did, just like how he gave the dead man. Yeah. It is, because some are there by choice, and, and some, some are there by addiction, and, and I talked with the director of the, the, um, the mission, and he said 25% are, are drug-related, uh, 25% are mentally ill, and then the rest are probably by choice. And so, and, and we need discernment to when we're going to reach someone, because they may not be ready but we should always, the Bible says, always give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Because hope changes everything. And so Job 19, he goes on, he says this. When Job was in an absolute hopeless state, he says this a couple chapters later. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Oh, when he's at this depth of despair, Job expresses this faith, my Redeemer lives. I want, that's our hope. He lives and he's coming again. Number seven, hope is found in knowing that our Redeemer lives and it's coming again, and our heart should yearn with us. You know, there, I just really believe that in the midst of a hopeless situation, Job finally held on hope that he would see a Redeemer. And our hope is found in the same Redeemer. No matter no, what happens, he lives, and someday we will live with him. Our hearts should yearn. Our yearn for God. Yearn for the return of Christ. I close with Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We wait. The, the greatest hope we have, the greatest scarlet cord we have is the hope of Jesus coming back. And I'll tell you, as I look at the world today, I just long for his return. As the wickedness and the blindness rages in our world, the crazy things we wouldn't even have believed 10 years ago are going on in our world today and accepted and, and celebrated and the Bible says where sin, where sin increases, grace much more abounds, where sin abounds. And so we just, 
need to yearn for his coming. Our Redeemer lives, and that's why we have hope. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together, and I just, I just pray we would be beacons of hope. We'd have hope in our own heart, and we'd share it with others, Lord, because this world is hopeless, absolutely hopeless. And Lord, we do, as Christians, sometimes battle with that sense of hopelessness even in our own life. And so, Lord, help us again to hold on to that scarlet cord that we will wait, we will endure, we will patiently endure and hold on. We will not let go. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.